A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Emil Heskey, former England, Leicester, Liverpool, Birmingham, Wigan, Villa, Newcastle Jets and Bolton forward. Emil, I wonder how you look back on your career and, and how it went for you. Is it, is it something you look back on with great pride? Yeah, it is. Um, when you, when you, when obviously I, I get to see the, uh, was it 100 Premier League goals and all yeah. that on Sky. So yeah. I can look back and say, uh, with fond memories and say, uh, I achieved a fair bit, you know, um, yeah. coming from, uh, coming from Leicester. Yeah, uh, winning things with Leicester as well, which was amazing. Yeah, uh, considering we wasn't, we was favoured to go down as as every team that comes up into the Premier League is favoured to go down. Yeah, we actually stayed in, uh, top of the league table and went to three cup finals. Yeah, amazing. And you started your career as a very young player, really, mm. didn't you? Yeah. Um, what was it like making your first team debut at seventeen? It was. It was. Um, I, it wasn't as daunting as you'd think because I was a lad that was. Um, uh, he was. I was helping out in the changing rooms. Um, I was in and around the first team, but I was training with them and then going with the the youth team back with the youth team. But then uh, uh, traveling sometimes with the first team just to see what it's like. But mm. I'd be the one that would be making the teas, uh, picking up all the kit after helping right. the kit man and stuff like that. But then that day, a QPR away, we uh, uh, about three or four of them fell fell ill. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and no one had said anything to me or anything about that. So um, I was the actually the only forward that could play. Oh, right. Yeah. 
Okay. And uh, they imagine him ripping back the paper just to show the team, and I'm I'm playing up front. How did you feel? Uh, I didn't have much time to um, get nervous because it was literally, they do that an hour before the game. Right, okay. Or an hour and a half or whatever it is before mm. the game. So just got changed, went out and played. It wasn't, it, we lost 2-0, QPR mm. away. Um, but it gave me a little insight on where I needed to brush up on. Was it hard then? Oh yeah, it was tough. Was it noticeably tougher than the team, the training you'd had? Because uh, yes. you've been training with the first team yeah, already, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, training. You can you can't replicate the games. Uh, you know the intensity and yeah. the pressure being on a pitch against an opposition that you don't know, kind of thing. Hmm. So um, that is that is that is different. Um, but I knew that I knew that I was capable of getting up to speed very quickly. Is it something that as even when you started playing football as a young kid, had you always grown through being? Stronger player, essentially one of the strongest players yeah. all the way through. So yeah. it was, it was, it was something you were used to. Basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, at fifteen, I was playing under 18. Yeah, for uh, what, for a professional club for Leicester. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, at uh, 16, stroke 17, first team. Right. So, so I, okay. I'd kind of outgrown my own age group from a, from a young age. I was a big lad. Yeah, yeah. So you you grew up really really quickly. young. Yeah, quickly. Uh, at 16, I was adult size. Right. Okay. And following season, of course, you became more of a first team regular, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And um, made thirty odd appearances, I think, in that in that season, and then started the um, the playoff final as well. Mm-hmm. How do you look back on, on on that season? Is it something that you? Because it feels to me, looking from the outside into your career, that all of a sudden you're just away. So you start you start that debut in March, mm-hmm. and the following season you're there, yeah. you're a first team regular, and you're away. You never really look back after that. No, uh, Martin O'Neill came in. Um, mm. we'd, we'd, I think we'd played Norwich Norwich at home and he'd obviously seen me play a few games and he was Norwich manager but then I think he resigned that day and um, we were looking at getting the new manager in uh, David Nish was uh, assistant well was the caretaker manager alongside uh, uh, Steve Walsh actually yeah um, I scored one and set up one we won 3-2 mm-hmm. that game and then it just uh, just spouted from there really uh, I've played most of the games after that and then when Martin O'Neill came in he just spoke to me and said look um, I've seen you play all I want you to do is this this and this um, we had big forwards so I wasn't really going to play up front uh, so he played me left or right mm-hmm. um, but I was quick so yeah. all it was he used to say get the ball turn take him on and cross the ball yeah. that's what I did and we managed to get to the playoff final yeah you got a good memory for your your the games you've played then by the Some of them, of yeah. Some of them, some of them, no. <laughs> it's funny because I speak to a lot of different type of players in here, and some of them can remember everything like mm-hmm. to, the, to the minute, and some have absolutely no. You, you essentially feel like you're telling them what they did. But yeah, so yeah. you've got a good memory for yeah, the yeah, big so, stuff. Yeah, yeah, most of them, yeah. Apart from the when we go further on in the career, um, the I, I speak about it. The um, UEFA Cup final, right? You can't remember that. That was a blur for everyone, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A, it was a crazy game. I watched it back, and the, and then and then you start to say, "Oh yeah, that happened." Oh, yeah, I remember. Well, but come that on, was we'll, like, we'll that was like sixty something games in that season, though. Yeah, exactly. You did play a lot of games that season. Um, well, you mentioned Martin O'Neill there. Do you look at? I wonder if you look at him as being certainly one of the most important people in your career. Hundred percent. Yeah. What, yeah. Do, what do they give to you that um, you feel like the, the, the confidence to go? I, I was confident anyway, but the confidence to go and actually just perform and not th- overthink things. Yeah. Um, Did he break it down to quite simple things? Simple. Everything was simple. If you were good at heading, and if you're a defender, you're good at heading and just clearing it. They'd say, "That's what I want you to do." Mm. Blah blah. And you'd be just like, and then he'd be praising you doing the simplest of things that you're good at. 
Mm. So you you, you want to go out and play for him. Um, he wouldn't ask you to go and drive with the ball into midfield and start distributing it here yeah. and all that when you what you can't do. Yeah. So for me, all he would say was, I just want you to get on the ball, get the ball, turn and run. Yeah. And that was what I was good at. Yeah. And that was what I grew up doing. So yeah. it was simple for me. Get it, turn and run, just do it. So he didn't, uh, he didn't overload you with information no, or anything no. like that? No, and that, that at that time it was great. Uh, at some stage you'd, you, you you need a bit more information and you yeah. need a bit more to know a little bit more about football. But at that time it was brilliant. I was only 18 at the time. Do you think you're, because I've spoken to players in here where they've said, uh, one week I was just asked to play right midfield and I never played there before and I wasn't given any educational coaching on how to do it. Uh, do, do, do you think that a lot a lot of top players, they just are expected to learn it as they go and pick it up and just crack on with it? Back then it was, yeah. You learn. You don't think it's like that now? Nah, they want every bit of information now. Every uh, right now that you need to know, you need to know everything um, when you're on the pitch, and that's why uh, uh, I, I believe that's why some coaches struggle a little bit. Um, not so much the younger ones, to be honest, because they they've grown up in that yeah. in that uh, environment now, so they know that they need the players need everything. They're looking over at you to, mm. whereas before we'd have to figure out certain things on the pitch, um, whether you're pulling someone in, whether you're uh, telling someone to stay further up the senior pros would 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 be uh, figuring all that out for you on the pitch or mm. you'd be figuring out that out yourself and but now it's um that's the manager's job to be telling you and pulling you here and telling you to stay out there or telling you to stay up or dropping you back deeper what do you prefer as a player um i obviously when i first started out i i preferred a little to no information at all just let me go and play you want to play on instinct basically yeah. you get out there on the pitch and you want to do what you feel that's natural for you to do exactly but then um, as you get older you want to learn you want to learn and that's where um, when I went to Liverpool Gerald Houllier was brilliant I speak about it in my book that um, went from really doing no no um, uh, prep for for the opposition, when I say no prep, we weren't sitting in in meetings looking at individual players uh, for for an hour or whatever it is. Mm. Then going to uh, to Liverpool, and you you are doing it in a in a pitch black room with a screen on. Do you think some players just couldn't handle that? Can't deal with it. Can't take it all in. Uh, I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it before. But at the top end, no. They they like our information. They know it. Yeah, they can learn it easily. Yeah, yeah, they like it. They like to have that information, all that information coming in. But Martin was much more in the Brian Clough mold of kind of don't worry about them. We'll do our thing and we'll be fine. Exactly, exactly, and that, and and it worked. It worked at Leicester. Um, yeah. We like I said, we went to three cup finals in four years. Yeah, uh, finished top ten uh, every season. So um, something was working. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder because you say in your book, I think that at one point Martin gave you quite a big telling off after mm-hmm. a game mm-hmm. which upset you basically mm-hmm. you still hold him in great fondness now do you yeah. look back on that as just being something that needed to be done and it was fair at the time yeah it was how uh, old were you at the time though Emil? I'd have been what 18, 19 so you were young yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it, the thing is um, the, football's not always nice so I don't expect people to be nasty all the time you need to you need to as they say kick up the backside sometimes mm. I don't think I needed it then but he gave it and I I took it and... You respect it looking back on it? Yeah. Yeah. Because I I, I always come away from these interviews thinking that it's a real man's world, football. Like you have to... And I'm, I'm not talking about with respect to the men's and women's game. I just mean in, 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 the, in, the, in the world you guys operate in or operated in, 
you're expected to almost be quite a well-rounded, serious, mature adult at mm. a very, very young age. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, it is tough when you're going into that environment as well. If you're not, uh, and we've seen it, we've seen players struggle a little bit. Mm. And if you're not ready for that environment, uh, it can eat you up. Do you think we've lost players who would have been brilliant had they been treated differently? Um, put it this way, uh, I I know players of my that are my age. Um, when we were growing up, they were they were they were the the best players, better than you. Oh yeah, but they didn't go get have a career. No, um, and I know players from down here because we used to play all over the country because of our county football. And I know yeah. players from all down here that were. That were top top players, and and you can you can say that if you say some uh, certain names to people who have played the game from my age, mm. um, if you say certain names, they'll say yeah, yeah yeah he was a great player, but they just didn't have the mental toughness. I don't or... know if I don't know what it is, um, but it it, it just it consumes them and they don't they don't make it uh, as far as us. And how much of what you've achieved has come down to hard work? Do you think all of it? It's, it's yeah. training ground, hard work. Because yeah, yeah. we hear about players who aren't particularly great trainers, but still have good careers. But the thing with with that, I I I don't I don't buy into that. To be honest, really? with you. no. I, I I liked training. I liked training a lot. You know, okay. putting putting in the hard work on in training ground. If I wasn't as good as uh, others, as in the running side of thing, I work on it. But I knew that I knew what I could do. Um, now, if you've if you've done it on the training pitch Monday to Friday. Saturday should be easy. Mm. If you put them that hard work in, mm. uh, Saturday should be easy. You can't. I, I've seen it, and I, and and you know uh, the biggest one was Romario. For mm. me, I, I'm a real big kind of Romario, yeah. and yeah. partying, going out, blah blah, <laughs> yeah. and then turn it on on Saturday. Yeah. Not, not everyone can do that. No, majority of people, you've got to have done stuff during the week that. That that when you get to the the Saturday, it's easy. So the tiny fraction of players, you Romario, Ronaldinho, George Best, they can get away with it. But most of us aren't no. those people, are they? No, no, definitely not. You know, I I always say that you train the way you play. Yeah. Okay. And when I was um, thinking about um, do, talking to you today, I, I thought to myself, what type of player, you know, were you? And, and I came to the conclusion that ultimately, and it, when I when I thought about this, it all fell into place. Ultimately, you were just a, a really really team focused player right mm-hmm. so and you've said in your book and, and you called the book even Heskey scored as a little joke but mm-hmm. you said in the book that you didn't really care whether you scored or not now I know strikers who who would secretly be happy the team wins not, not, not but secretly. don't want the, but don't, not, yeah, not okay not even secretly <laughs> yeah. don't want their, the per- person playing in their position to score because they want themselves to play you're saying that Honestly, hand on heart, if you went through your career or through a season scoring two or three goals, if you won trophies, that's all you cared about. Yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. It was, it was a, a case of I always looked at team. I always looked at team first. Yes, and and I've done that from from a young age. So yes, you want to score goals. Yes, you, and I like you saying. I know players that if we if we win three, four, five nil, and they haven't scored, they're fuming. Right. Why we've won? What do you make of that then? It's personal, isn't it? It's, it's it's selfishness. But again, strikers are selfish. Yeah. So it's for you, it's all about winning things and the team. And so you judge your career on trophies, then, do you? Well, yeah, I I um what I achieved, yeah. Okay. And so it, and it wouldn't matter to you if you didn't you didn't hit the back of the net, really. Does it matter? 
won won when you got the medal there so sure. no it's probably, it, doesn't, well, it, shouldn't, it probably <laughs> wouldn't matter to me no but and that's the thing there's a there's a there's a there's always chat about you'll see a game and you'll see a striker and he'll take on a chance where he should have passed it and people will say oh yeah but as a striker you need to be selfish but surely a player should make the right decision in the right moment it's, it's, it's about rating and making the right decision now if he misses that chance if he scores a chance everything's fine isn't it yeah but if he misses that chance then what yeah exactly absolutely <laughs> and, and I, I also read that um your assist record in the Premier League is right up there with Paul Scholes. Yeah. Who Paul Scholes is seen as this great and obviously he's a no, great he's player. A wonderful player. Yeah. But Amazing. the stats are incredible, aren't they? Yeah. In that case. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're being very humble, but I think it's, it's worthy of, of a mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I I I work for the team. That's what yeah. it's all about. At the end of the day, you take you take the rest of the players out and put put certain players in. Put put eleven players who only think about themselves. Yeah. See how far you get. Yeah. yeah. And that's why coaches like to, to, to buy you. That's why yeah, Michael think, Owen likes to play with you. I think as well, when you look at uh, teams like um, uh, Atletico Madrid, who probably weren't highly fancied at time, but Simeone put together a team mm. that work for each other, that, that are hard working for each other as well. Mm. But then you have a few individuals that give you that little bit, bit special. Yeah. And that works. Yeah. Works so well. So you mentioned earlier, didn't you, that you, you went and played um, at Liverpool? For, for Julier and mm-hmm. that was around 2000 wasn't it start of 2000 a lot of money Do you, were you thinking about the transfer fee at the time? Never I didn't think about it I just wanted to play um, that was their problem in yeah. the sense that I never made that fee up they they agreed that fee that's yeah. like, that's you had no saying it yeah. I had no saying it to be yeah. honest with you so you just, you just get on with what you want to do and, and that was what all I wanted to do I wanted to play for the club and you lo- you loved Leicester but you thought Liverpool was a move not to be turned down I think look um I'd come a, I'd come a long way um, with Leicester. I'm from Leicester. I was actually a Liverpool fan. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, but I, I'd come from under nines with Leicester, from the age of nine, sorry, mm. uh, with Leicester and uh, uh, enjoyed every minute of it. Um, but I'd come to a point, a crossroad where I thought, uh, what do I do? Do I stay another year? Do I stay another two years? Because mm. um, uh, uh, I, I know they wanted me to stay, obviously, but um, I'd come, I'd, I'd, I'd felt that I'd done enough um, I'd won trophies with Leicester. I'd, uh, we'd been to three cup finals. Uh, I'd played a prominent role in all of that. So I just thought, what's next? It's the next step for you. Yeah, basically. what's next? And that was the next step. It's very similar to how it could be had Chris Kirkland on the show and he talked about Liverpool fans as well, but obviously mm. grew up through Coventry and he mm-hmm. just he just thought, I think he came a year after you, I think. Yeah. And he said that, you know, I, could, I felt like I needed, to, I needed to make the move. Yeah. Did you have an agent at the time? Yeah. You did? Okay. So I remember Chris saying he didn't have an agent or anything like that. He just got on with it. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah. the agent takes care of all of it. You're not focused on any of the attention around the transfer because I remember it being quite a big. Oh, it was a big. Tran- it was a big transfer. Yeah. But I, I, like I said, I had nothing to do with that. Hmm. Uh, yes, in the sense that I'm the player, but apart from that, I had I just wanted to play. Hmm. I didn't care about all the talk or about mm. the transfer the money or anything like that I just mm. wanted to play and that's, that, that was my my uh, my thought process and do, do you do you go into that team and think this is a much bigger deal than Leicester is it noticeable that it's oh, a yeah. different club yeah yeah 100% uh, at Leicester it was um, we had good players by the way Muzzy yeah. uh, Neil Lennon players oh, like they were a great that. team oh, at Leicester yeah, team fantastic yeah, yeah. But then you're going into another level um, with Liverpool playing at Melwood, uh, training at Melwood, and uh, the likes of Robbie Fowler, uh, Michael Owen, yeah. Jamie Redknapp, yeah. 
it's another level again, was yeah, it? The training stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the training at Leicester was good, but it was we wasn't allowed to tackle at times because we obviously the manager wasn't happy with certain tackles going in. Yeah. But then at Liverpool, three four. Was it? Oh, oh you think it would be the opposite? Yeah, you think they'd be a lot yeah. more protective over nah, First training session, Stefan Ancho, bang, straight through the back of me. You weren't expecting it? No. No, because I was come from a, a a place where you you don't get tackled. Yeah, you can do. But it's not like you can do whatever you want. But you know yeah. them them sliding tackles from behind. No, not in training. No, until you got to Liverpool, yeah. where it happened all the time. Yeah, and you just get used to it. But it's yeah. good because it puts you on your toes and you're ready for the game. Yeah, and w- was the was the debut something that sticks in your mind? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, it was Sunderland. Yeah, uh, we beat Sunderland when I was at Leicester five two. I think it was me and mm. Stan. Stan scored a hat trick. Uh, I scored one, um, and uh, then went to play them for Liverpool. I won the I won the penalty. Michael was injured actually, right? Um, so I won the penalty, and Paddy Berger scored, and then uh, Kevin Phillips um, uh, scored for Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah, yeah, and one one finish one one. Right, okay. Yeah. The next, I mean, your first full season. Well, you, the following season, you were there. You, you scored quite a few goals actually, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Over twenty goals, and and. How does that feel? Because you you have, you have I think brilliantly and and very humorously you know, you've called your book even Heskey scored mm-hmm. as a reference to people singing that song and and we'll come on to that. But you scored over twenty goals at the top level that mm-hmm. that two thousand two thousand and one season and we know what happened again. You're a cup finals player by the sound of it because you, you you won another three cups. Um, is there any? There's no bitterness at all that people don't to, to, to people don't rate you as a goal scorer because, um, to the point of where you've called that book your book I'm, that I'm, I wouldn't call myself a goal scorer. Um, uh, people don't rate me. Uh, managers picked me. Yeah. So that's what you care about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, people don't rate me. I, the thing is, I, I, I meant, I meant people f- don't rate you as a goal scorer. Yeah, I didn't rate I'll, you as a player. I'll give you a funny story. Um, yeah. I've said, I've said it before anyway, but um, I had a bloke come up to me and uh, and said, uh, what is it? Oh, how are you doing, Husky? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah, great player, but you didn't score enough. I went, so I looked over and went, okay. But I scored over 100 goals in the Premier League. He went, mm. did you? Right. I went, yeah. He went, oh, I, I like rugby anyway. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> what can you do, right? <laughs> there you go. So you think it's a marketing thing. It's a, you, you haven't been marketed properly. People don't know enough about it. There you go. People need to go and watch 100 Premier League goals on Sky Sports. Yeah. There yeah. you go. And and throughout, I mean, you were at Liverpool for for a while, and you scored. I mean, what is it, sixty odd goals? Mm-hmm. I mean, people people don't people see the headlines. The don't they? I, I played. I didn't play up front all the time either. No, I wasn't. I played on the wing a lot as well. I played at. Uh, I played every position. I played left wing back for Leicester once. Yeah, team player. <laughs> and around and and towards the end of the century, of course, before you just before you went to 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 Liverpool, you you made your England debut as well. Mm-hmm. Um, fond memories for you? Yeah, wonderful. That's the um, ultimate thing, is it? Yeah, definitely. I, I was lucky enough to play the youth levels, yeah. so you get a little taste of it. Yeah, and then went on to play uh, the full full international and be picked by several. I was told six managers. That's that's not yeah. a coincidence, is it? Yeah. That's no coincidence that. And I, I think of you as that striker in between Shearer and Rooney. The three, the three years or so between. Yeah. I know you came back later on, but mm-hmm. the three years between Shearer and Rooney, yeah. and 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 that was a team. I mean, I know England are doing well now, and everyone's excited, but that was a team full of quality players. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair to you, there, you're not going to get in that team if you're not decent, yeah. given the amount of players that are at their disposal. And, then, and I'd played with most of them at youth level as well, so, so you uh, knew them, yeah. yeah, I knew a lot of them. 
Um, so yeah, it was it was good times to be playing in that. Um, and everyone talks about the golden era, blah blah. And but the thing is, you got to remember that uh, France had their golden era as well. Yeah. And we played against them. It's funny if you go back to in- England under eight, my England under eighteens. Me and Michael up front. He was mm. sixteen. Mm. Uh, we had Rio. We had uh, Lamps. We had uh, Michael Bridges. We had mm. all these players that you can name, and you think, oh yeah. But they had they had Trezeguet, they had Henri, they had mm. Anelka, they had Saha, they mm. had William Gallas, they had Mikel Silvestre, they had Usman mm. Darbo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they won World Cup and the Euros. Exactly. After, then you add Zidane into that, you yeah. add Petit into that, you add yeah. Vieira into that, you add Lizarazu into that. Yeah, it's pretty special. <laughs> Did you go into? I mean, a lot was made of that England team. Did you go into every game thinking we can win this? Oh yeah. Every game. Yeah, 100%. And the thing was, uh, the confidence was super, super high um, when it comes to qualifications. Mm. But then when you get to the tournaments, I don't know what happens, but uh, it doesn't feel the same. Mm. The tournament never never really felt the same, to be honest with you. The closest I felt um, we got was the Brazil game. In 2002. uh, 2002. Yeah. And I felt, yeah, this is our time. But after that, no. Is it, what, what, what do you put that down to in 2002? Just bad luck? Um, well, you're playing against three Ballon d'Ors, aren't you? Sure. <laughs> but they had, I mean, they, they played large parts of the game. England played really well and yeah. were well worth it. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 we did. Um, and that's why I say it looked like it was the best possible chance we could have had. Mm. Yeah, I think you need a lot, you need a certain amount of luck to win a tournament anyway, right? 100%, you do need yeah. your luck. To, you've got to ride your luck every, every now and again and... Uh, I'm guessing they did it. <laughs> yeah, and do, and do you think do you think it's changed now in the England setup? As in, as in the uh, feel around it. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You you see that the feel looks great, um, and they can they can control the narrative at times when putting things out. It looks great on social media. I, yeah, I, I like it to be honest. Yeah, with you. same. So um, and then the fans can have a little feel for it. Um, whereas we were kind of isolated a little bit. It's very different feel, wasn't it? And yeah. it felt also like in between every tournament, if it didn't work, they would tear it up and start again from the beginning with a completely different manager whereas now there's a bit more of a yeah a bit more consi- uh, bit, more, bit more bit more of a plan a bit more consistency with sticking with someone now. but I think um, that's because Gareth has had a lot of these kids and and Gareth knows the system um, mm. from within mm. um, uh, and the FA are happy to keep him let him do it yeah what, do you think 2001 was your um, was your best year uh, goals yeah but I still feel I played probably better football at Leicester Really? Okay. Because you won all those trophies 2001. Yeah. And you and the, the famous... 2000, 2001. Yeah. yeah, and the famous um, England game. Five was game. Yeah, five one. Yeah, that was yeah. 2001 as well. Yeah. It was a pretty special year for you, no? Yeah, it was. Um, everything just everything just clicked. Um, uh, obviously, two th- early 2000, well, t- the 2000, 2001 season, yeah. the full season was, was, was something that just was special. And then obviously uh, accumulating in winning the League Cup, then the FA Cup, yeah. and the the UEFA Cup then the Super Cup <laughs> what are your memories of that game uh, against Germany um, just just being 1-0 down to be honest really yeah. and then uh, I, I I spoke to someone recently and he, he goes oh I remember where I was I actually went to the game and uh, I, they, he said that he was supposed to be on the halfway line but he said he refused to go there so he stood behind the goal with all the with all the England fans really and then he, I said to him yeah but what was your thoughts when, when we were 1-0 down he goes oh shit yeah, yeah, you can swear. Carry on. Yeah, do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I was shitting myself. Really? Yeah. And it goes, yeah, but no, look, we won five one for you. So yeah. <laughs> do you remember? Slot, do you remember that slot on that goal in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can remember it like yeah, it is now. Yeah, yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when you, when you go out on the pitch and you and you say you're presented with a chance like that for England against Germany, I know the game mm-hmm. was won, but mm-hmm. it's an important goal to score for England against Germany. Mm-hmm. Are you in that moment, or are you just operating on instinct at that point? Um, in a sense, what you mean in the moment? So when are you are you thinking about the the, the yeah? What you thinking? What you're doing, or is it all instinctive? Um, yeah, I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I'm, I was thinking, make sure I have a good touch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, which I didn't have. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't fully underneath my feet, but it was a little bit underneath my feet. But I just thought, keep the ball low. Yeah. And, and uh, into the corner stuff. No, yeah. And um, it the celebrations afterwards pretty good. Yeah. We, as in, as in after the game. As in after the game. Yeah. Uh, we had another game. So you couldn't no, really do much. No. You just treat it as any other game. Yeah, that's what we had to. Yeah, but there wasn't even a special moment where they just said that you can have a beer or whatever. Mm, nothing. Not at that level, no, you can't no, do that. No, no. Oh, that's like, fascinating. Even even when we when we uh when we won the treble with Liverpool, we won that game uh and then the 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 um Birmingham game. Yeah. But then we've got another game to play. So you, won, you beat Birmingham in the League Cup yeah. and Arsenal in the FA Cup. That was when Owen scored two goals, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um, the Biltat, Deportivo Alaves. Yeah. yeah, okay. I, I just I just thought that you, maybe I'm being naive here because I wasn't a professional footballer, but that you wouldn't be able to resist having a quick glass of champagne the or thing something. Is, it, it's different levels. Isn't it? We, we, when, um, when we won the League Cup at uh, Leicester, uh, there was nothing stopping us from that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're at Liverpool, it's... Is a, a different different type of mindset, mindset and professionalism, and that's that counts through to to England as well. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I remember reading, Emil, that um, not long after that, you were linked with a, a big move to Spurs. Mm-hmm. Was there any, ever, ever any truth in that? Did you did you ever feel like you were in control of where you want to go and you didn't really mention that you wanted to leave and it was no um I don't know about the Spurs one if I'm honest with you. Spurs uh, one before 
Uh, I went to Liverpool, yes. Okay, right. But not while I was at Liverpool. I, okay. I don't know that one, to be honest. How, how do you, um, as a football player, how do you approach or deal with transfer speculation and how do you did you used to behave if you were unhappy at a club for example um the, the good thing for managers if they could they is 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 actually explaining to you what's going on yeah. some managers don't some do mm-hmm. um because the last thing you want to know is that you're not welcome sure and because uh, when I was at Liverpool the, when I left Liverpool um they came to me and says oh they've accepted a bid from Birmingham yeah um uh you're free to talk. And I thought, well, I'm happy. I've got one more year, year left. I'll fight for my place. Because hmm. no, Cissé is coming in and you won't play. Hmm. So, okay, I'll have to go then. Yeah. So that was it. And you're simple as that? Yeah. Because you, you come across as quite a laid back character. So yeah. you, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't worry too much about it? No, I didn't worry too much about it. The thing is, where do I stay? Where do, do I stay somewhere where they've already told me I'm not going to play? Yeah, but someone might, some players might want to prove the manager wrong and double down and say we're going to stay. Well, and I did say that I'll fight for my place. Yeah. I said, no, you're not going to play. Cissé's coming in. Right. So if someone says you know you're not going to play... <laughs> what can you do, yeah? yeah. Did you, but did you appreciate the honesty? Uh, or were you annoyed at the time? Annoyed at the time, but, you know, it is what it is. You move on. Yeah. And so Birmingham were the team that mm. you fancied going to... They, they, well, they were the only ones. Were they the ones that came Actually, in? Actually, sorry, tell a lie. I'd, I'd, I'd spoken to AC Milan at the time. Really? Tell yeah. us about that. It was just a weird phone call that come out of the blue and spoken to AC Milan and then nothing come of it and I was at Birmingham. But did, did, would you have fancied that move? Uh, don't know. I'd always wanted to play in Italy but at that time mental, yeah. mentally was I ready to go abroad. What were you at the time? 26, 27? Uh, yeah, 26. Like okay. And why did you have? Why did you always want to play in Italy? Because you grew up watching uh, it on TV yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Same as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Why well, are you forty-one now? Yeah. So you're yeah, similar yeah. age to me. Yeah. I, I always found Italy on a Sunday morning or whatever yeah, watching it on TV. Go. Yeah. Yeah. David Platt. Exactly. Yeah. Gascoigne and all the yeah, rest of it. You would you? Would you have? Um, would you have adapted living in another country? Do you think? Um, probably. Yeah. By then, yes. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, no. I was really interested in. Um, uh, Denver Bar the other day mm-hmm. saying that he would advise any black player not to play in Italy now because of, because of the, the problems because of the problems over there yeah would that have been in your mind? No um, it wouldn't have been back then but yeah I understand where he's coming from because there's a recent one talking about uh, a presenter saying certain things about um, just broke the yeah exactly yeah, about yeah. Lukaku on Italian TV yeah which is weird because it's just it was just like it was norm for yeah. him to just come out with that sort of stuff you're like yeah. oh okay um but yeah it's Italy Italy have a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of things going on that they they'll have to sort out which it's crazy that you would even have to consider that to go and do your job somewhere else and that would have to be a factor right yeah. but that's the reality we live in yeah, sadly yeah, 100%. is it something that was is is racism from fans or from fellow players and ever something that came into your world as a, as a player uh I wrote back in my book when we were younger um playing a youth team game against Stoke and um uh me and me and the, me and the lad up front were getting racially abused by the defenders, right? Um, and he he knocked two of them out. Did he really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, after the game or no, during no, the game? No, during the game. Right. He made a tackle, and one of them, obviously, one was on the floor, and and then the other one come over, giving it. But yeah, racially abused. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. So he gave him two. He fell, and then the other one got up, and he gave him two again. And he fell. Blimey. What did you do? You I just stood there watching, watching it. it. Yeah. How, how 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 do you 
what what was your? I mean, it's sad that you'd ever have to deal with it. But what's your what's your approach to dealing with it when it when it manifests itself? Um, we, I never re- that apart from that, I never really had much on the pitch. Uh, not even away for England or anything like that. No, no, I mean on the pitch. On the pitch, on the pitch okay. I'm talking like from opposition. We had a little bit in uh, at, at international youth level and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then um, it was usually from the stands uh, right. Slovakia away I think it was right and um, and it's funny I, I, I talk about it again and ball comes to me uh, we kick off I have the ball play it to someone in the air boo right then it goes to um, Beck stops goes to Ashley uh, boo Doing again yeah and then it goes back into Scolzi or goes to someone else and then it comes back to me boo mm. but then after a while you're like oh I understand what they're doing I didn't realise they were actually making monkey chats. you just thought it was booing booing yeah but I'd only ju- we'd only just kick it off and I think I haven't kicked anyone yet no okay right yeah <laughs> let me kick someone yeah. first before, yeah. <laughs> before you boo me but then, then you realise what they're actually doing, and um, it, it. We talk about it being education and everything. So uh, yeah, it that, it happens more across, uh, and then uh, uh, Croatia as well. And what 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 would you have? I mean, do you feel like you had a support network in place at the time to be able to be able to be supported by by the by the England team at that point, or in what sense? Well, just that people acknowledge that it's happening and, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and, they, they, and they, give you they, an option to leave or whatever you want to do? They, no, they never gave me an option to do anything. But um, right. after the game, things were reported. I had to give a, I had to give a report. Hmm. I had someone come to the house and, and uh, basically give a uh, sit down and, and, and talk to me about it and what happened and everything. So you give a report to FIFA. And I remember, for, sorry. I remember one of those incidents. Weren't they fined £15,000 or something ridiculous like uh, that? I don't think that was my thing. I think that was a bit later. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, a similar incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, do, you, do you advocate players leaving, just walking off the pitch? I understand where they're going with that, but I don't think so. Um, okay. uh, I would not like to walk off the pitch because that's my domain that's my you don't you don't dictate to me coming off the pitch sure you lot leave <laughs> okay yeah yeah so you don't want to give any quarter basically no nah, this okay. is my pitch that's fair enough okay so uh, I, I don't but I understand where they're going with it what is what will what will um, stop them from doing what will make the most impact on 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 them and that's probably they've come up with leaving the pitch what do you think is the best course of action then um the thing is, we had we had we had it with with Croatia. We're talking about um, punishing the fans. Yeah, but, uh, really and truly, when 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 England played Croatia in that empty stadium, who was punished? Hmm. Well, the, the England fans. Yeah, yeah. Jaden Sancho's uh, parents. Yeah, because he's uh, made his debut that day and in front, they, of, no they, one. In front of no one. They yeah. can't they can't be there. Hmm. The fans that were standing up on the hill having to sh- having to scream from there. Yeah, they're the ones who were punished, not the people who were thinking. That had nothing to do with the England fans. It wasn't, even in, it wasn't even the game that they played, that no. they played against. It's a tricky situation, isn't yeah. it? It's, I mean, it's something you feel that's got to come from almost from outside of football to educate people to, to be... Education is, a big, is, education is a big thing in, on, on the broader aspect of things, but football itself, um, I, 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 do you... Do you, you If you're having a full stadium do it, how do you actually yeah. pinpoint out certain people and say, you're not coming back in or you, we, don't, we don't want this in the stadium, blah, blah, blah. Do yeah. you have a full stadium of England fans? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I, be- I believe Italian. A lot of Italian clubs have invested in facial recognition technology now, and they're starting to um, punish individual people. Okay, that's the kind of the future of it. But then people are worried about, you know, having your face everywhere when you you're just going about your day type thing, and it's a little bit invasive. But I suppose if desperate times call for desperate measures, maybe, and that's mm-hmm. what's got to be done. I mean, ultimately, people shouldn't be 
racially abused at their place of work. I mean, no, or, no. or anywhere, you know, it's no, as simple no, exactly. as that. But you would say in the Premier League and in England, it's generally been a lot more positive. It's, in it's, your experience, in my experience, I haven't, I haven't experienced anything like that. To be honest with you, um, in a sense of uh, uh, being abused like that on a football pitch or anything. So, okay, fair enough. When you moved from Liverpool to Birmingham, Emil, are you conscious of the idea that it's it's hard to go anywhere from Liverpool in terms of the size of club. Hundred percent. Was that was that? Did you feel it was a bit of a gamble to move on to a club? No. But you, I, I, back, I backed my ability, and I, and I never. I was very confident, but in 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 saying that, I found it very difficult because I'd gone from playing with Stevie, mm. Gary Mack, yeah, Michael Owen, mm. Robbie Fowler, players like this. Then no disrespect to the Birmingham lads. I go into the change rooms there, and you, um, the, the the players that I used to play with, they were three steps ahead of the players that I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, so you have to adjust your game. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I went from making runs and people before I've even made the run, they know I'm going to make it. Playing, yeah. Playing into feet, wanting it back, blah, blah blah. And then I'd gone to uh, making runs. No one's even looked at me. Right. Um, gone to ball going sideways and backwards a lot. Uh. So I had to adjust my game again. Did you find it difficult to adjust? No, um, I found it difficult at first in the sense that I didn't know what to do yeah. <laughs> at first. And then I had to figure out where I fit and how to play within that system. And then yeah. it was fine after that. And was the, coach, the management and coach were decent? To help yeah, you yeah, yeah, Steve Bruce was good. Um, yeah. It was all about fitness when it comes to the smaller clubs. Um, right. You've got to be extremely fit because... You're going to be doing. You're not going to have as much ball. That's as interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you need to. Do, you're not going to see the ball as much, no. right? But now we're seeing teams kind of go for it, aren't we? Like the smaller teams. Like, I mean, everyone like, wants to play. Everyone wants to play the same way, don't they? Now, um, yeah. Everyone wants to play out from the back, and uh, no one wants to. No one wants to um, to to be really hitting hitting channels and stuff like that. Everyone mm. wants to play similar sort of way to um, to Pep. Yeah, yeah. But you were kind of a. You were you were the hold up man, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Bringing I, other players into play. I, I, my my game changed over the years. I was I was a hold up player, and I was uh, at first I was run, one who runs the channels, hmm. uh, and then it changed to being a typical number nine where you're holding the ball up, flicking it on, bringing other people in, uh, creating chances for others. Hmm. Uh, uh, so yeah, it was uh, it changed throughout the years. Was there any is there any resentment? Not resentment, but any kind of comment from you on that's seen as a kind of an unfashionable way to play now, isn't it? Um, what do you mean playing back to front? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But they still need it, um, because at times you do need to go back to front, and you do need to have an understanding of uh, of where to be as a, as a forward as well. But Pep's never going to want his forward. No, to no, 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 no. Um, he'll always want to, um, because oh, you see Raheem playing up front. Don't you? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, some occasionally teams would play without a striker at all. Yeah, yeah. And Frost, Frost Nine. Uh, yeah, they he played with it at uh, Barcelona. That's thought. right. Yeah. Um, but you, 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 because 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 I think a lot of managers, for example, feel like they've now been rendered like obsolete or out of fashion because it's not it's not a way that perhaps a chairman would want his team to play because the fans wouldn't like it now because of the way the game has changed. I'll be honest, the fans will will, will, will just want you to win games. Is that what you, honestly, you think that's the sum total of all of it? At times. Yeah. I've I've seen it where uh, fans have been calling oh better football, better football. Um no disrespect Stoke. Yeah. Um now Tony Pulis was there, they were they were cemented in the in the in the Premier League. Yeah. Want better football. 
yeah. one better football, one more attractive football. Now you think now they'd be happy to just be having yeah. the, being up there just yeah. winning games. But they're bottom of the championship at the time recording, so it's not ideal. Yeah. yeah. Do you think so do you think if you came through as a player now then, do you think you'd still be a striker? Uh yeah, I'd still be a striker. Uh I, I, like I said, I, I I'm very good at change, adapting to, yeah. to to different surroundings. So I I'd just adapt. Simple as that, you, yeah. you, you get through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and do you think the game has moved on in terms of education, nutrition, training since oh, you yeah. started? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Does that play into your hands as well? Were you always a fit a fit uh, lad? I was I was generally a fit lad. Um, nutrition wasn't something that came in until later on mm. in my career um, because um, it was just wasn't there. If you if you were doing it in the early nine in the nineties, early two thousands, mm. you were ahead of yourself. Mm. Um, but now it's norm. It's the norm to be mm. super trim, um, having your having your um, diet down to a T. Yeah, stuff like that's the norm now. Yeah, but that didn't happen when you were starting no, out. No, but no. they take an interest in what you're eating, how you're looking after yourself. No. They didn't at all. No, not 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 when you first, you know. No, no. And and so, but as you move through your career, it's something you thought about more because as you got older. Yeah, you've got to you've got to look after your body a lot better. You're you're thinking about recovery as well. Yeah, I never thought about recovery before. No, <laughs> no, just get on with it. Yeah, exactly. And as as you sort of, I know you did a lot more. You've teamed back up with Martin again at Aston Villa, and you did a lot more through your career. But as you as you get older and you and you see the end of your career sort of coming down the road, is it something that you think a lot of players struggle to think about because of the routine, because of the lifestyle they've been afforded, because of the way they live their lives as top football players? Mm-hmm. Is it something that worried you as you're about to finish your career oh yeah definitely um, you got to remember from the age of 15, 16 you've been told what to do when to do how to do mm. and then they just kick you out there's no aftercare or anything <laughs> aftercare no no nothing you just go and then they'll say oh go and get your badges well I've had 50, I've had 21 years to try and get a badge why are you telling me now yeah so that is one thing I would say to young players if you if you can get your badges while you're playing get them because you don't want to get to the end and then say, oh, yeah, go and get your badges. That's three years. That's four years. Yeah, okay. To get them when you've just had 15, 20 years doing it. And there's nothing stopping you doing it. No, then, uh, yeah. you've got a lot of time on your hands uh, in the afternoons. Do you wish you had done that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is, is, the, is the adjustment from the routine mentally something difficult? Because it reminds me of, I, I come from a, a, a military town and a lot of people famously struggle coming out of the Navy into everyday life because mm-hmm. it's so unregimented so different no one really knows who you are or whatever is, is is that something you've had to live through do you think yeah definitely I think it's the, 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 like you said un, unregimented mm. you're used to waking up at this time you're used to doing this at this time breakfast mm. and then going to doing this and then here mm. and then going to do that then then you've got this time to do this mm. now you've got all this time and you don't know where to do anything Yeah, you've got a schedule yeah. We used to have a schedule uh, at Liverpool for, I think, about a month, two months. In advance? Yeah. Now you don't even know what you're doing there tomorrow. Did, did you did you like that regimentation oh, yeah, yeah. in your plan? I've grown up in it. Yeah. And that's all I know. So, uh, yeah, it was difficult. I, I The first year I, I uh, come out of Bolton, I trained at a, a local uh, club, Edgerton, where mm. a friend of mine was training. He said, come down, come down. I'm like, oh, all right, let me come down. And I loved it. Because it gave me that little environment that I'd used to being in. I mm. could go there. At, you know, we got there about half nine, ten. Mm. Train. Was it easy to train in? We, it was ex-players. Some some ex-players. Okay. Yeah, and some younger lads. So okay. it was good. It was good fun. Yeah. 
Um, uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah. We've had, we've had some players in here. We had Chris in here. I mentioned Kirkland. We had Nigel Winterbell in here as well. Who still? I think he's in his mid fifties now. He still plays quite regularly yeah. because he wants that. And Chris Kirkland. I mean, I don't want to talk, put words in his mouth. He, he, he gave an interview shortly after I spoke to him as well, where he said, "It's the high of playing and the adrenaline you get from that, and you and you can get through it because you know you've got another game coming. But when you come to the end of your career, it's very difficult to not get down and to not have." these mental health issues because you think, as you've said, what, what am I doing now? Where's mm-hmm. the next kind of yeah. thing coming from to lift mm-hmm. yourself for it? Mm-hmm. And then as well, football will tell you not to do anything while you're, while you're um, in football. Right. Because so, they want you to focus on football. Yeah. So, uh, for argument's sake, this. Mm. There's nothing wrong with doing this in the afternoon, talking yeah. about or talking with your mates or talking about certain, yeah. some, certain things. They wouldn't want you to do that. Yeah. But this is probably a, a respite from overthinking football. Yeah, okay. Um, but you're not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. We we had Gerald Julia. Gerald Julia's funny one was, don't go shopping with your family. Yeah, okay. He's walking around and and pushing trolleys. You want he wants you to totally rest. He wouldn't even want you pushing a trolley. So that essentially, if you're talking, I mean, I don't want to go too far, but you're talking about when you finish football, they push you away. I dare say, if you've got a career-ending injury, you'd be off. You've said already today that if they decide they want to sign someone else in your position, you're gone. I know you're not trying to criticise individual people, but that's just the nature of how the industry is. Oh, yeah. So you're essentially like a piece of meat, basically. Yeah, we all are, though. Yeah, but I think in other jobs, Emil, that people would probably think a bit more about how it affects you personally, about what your life's happening, what's going on, what, 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 you, what you need. The other thing, is, just the thing is, if or, you're doing or, well, you're wanted. If you're not doing well, they're going to say, OK, well, we'll try and get you somewhere else. Or, yeah. But... Off you go. So. And that's in any job, you think? It's just life. I'm, I'm guessing it'll, but it's life, isn't it? Really. But in football, you, you know, they're not going to just keep you around because they like you. No, true. <laughs> but I just, I just wonder if, if, I mean, I've heard so many stories of, of, of not necessarily just in here, but just generally of players who, who've maybe had to retire early. I'll tell you, Matt Murray, I don't know if you know Matt, he, he mm-hmm. talked a bit about, he felt cheated because he had this knee injury. He was in the prime of his career. All the things he had been promised he, he would um, he would go on to achieve, he was never not able to do that. And that's a huge mental adjustment for oh, a yeah. young man. You know, it's difficult to do that. Yeah. And I don't know how much support he got from, he was at Wolves at the time, but it seems to me we need to maybe work a bit harder to look after people. Yeah, I think I think uh, there's there's several players that have been down there. We had one at Bolton um, and uh, he had his, he, I think he had an ankle problem. Mm. Um, had several in, um, operations and ended up having to having to leave football mm. and that was uh, you've got to think about yourself as well because he might not be able to walk he might not be able to walk properly or go to the park with his kids and stuff like so that so you've got to think about his quality yeah, of life yeah, yeah. after so um, I don't know what, what, what Bolton's aftercare was with him I don't know if it was good or bad I don't mm. know mm. it's got to be thought about because I, I wonder if it's partly to do with the fact that it's such a macho world we talked earlier, oh, yeah. didn't we, about how yeah. mature and how strong you've got to be, whether you're just expected to just deal, get on with it. Yeah, deal with it at times. Um, and I look at, uh, uh, when I, I speak about it in my book, when I when I left Leicester to go to Liverpool, mm. I struggled um, the mental side of it off the field. Because you were leaving, a, you were living in a different city. Yeah, okay. and I just couldn't deal with that. Um, I had all my support mechanisms back in Leicester. Yeah. Mates, parents. Yeah aunties, uncles, whoever, I had it yeah. all there. Then I'm going to this new city, which I don't know anyone. Um, and this is before, it sounds stupid, but this is before the uh, 
everything you have on your phones. Mobile phones and stuff, yeah. So yeah you well, phones were there. But you couldn't keep in touch as easily. No, yeah. and uh, not everyone had a phone, Not uh, you know, and they didn't have Google, you don't have Google and all that. No, no, no. <laughs> Go and finding things and it was just tough at first. Um, I, and like you're saying, it's about growing up. I had to grow up very quickly. How old were you at the time? 22. So you're a young man. I mean, well, you, you, say, you say that a young man, but I'm still, I'm 22. I, you, you'd have thought that I'd have grown up quicker than that, especially being playing in football from the age of 16, 17. Are you surprised that Liverpool didn't take more of an interest in how you're getting on, or did they? They did, uh, in a sense that uh, they had player liaisons. In my mind, player liaison was for the foreign lads. Uh, okay. Um, who and they're coming from abroad, but they bring they're bringing everyone over with them to yeah. to help them with that. And I'm just down the road, but I never told anyone that I needed help. Yeah, in that sense. But uh, yeah, it made me grow up uh, very quickly. And I know lads that are coming, and I speak to I spoke to lads that are, are coming that are moving clubs at 15. I yeah, how do you deal with that? Yeah. It's young, very, yeah. very young. Oh, too young. Oh, no. Too young. Too young for me. And fans won't make the connection, will they, between how you're getting on in your personal life and how you're performing on the pitch? Because they are linked, aren't they? But yeah, fans yeah. don't think about that, do they? No, no, they don't. They don't. My, my, my only thing was I, I got a respite from that being at the training ground, being on the pitch. Hmm. That was my, that gave me that joy. Bit, yeah, a bit of downtime and yeah. everything. Yeah. How do you look back on your career, Emil? You're very proud of what you achieved. Any oh, yeah. regrets or anything you would do differently? No, um, the, the only the only thing is when when I say when I left um, when I left uh, Liverpool that year they won the Champions League. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's a regret. A, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's just something that you know niggles at you a little bit. You but won. again, but if I had a stage, you never know if they'd won it. You won just about every other cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it can't be all bad. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. People should go out and read your book, uh, Even Heskey Scored. How did you come up with the title? Was it your idea? Uh, yeah. Mine and the, uh, the co-writer. Good the, for uh, you. Brilliant. That's a, I think it's one of, the best, uh, one of the best autobiography titles out there. So good for you. Thank you so much. People thank should you. go out and buy that book. It's available now. It's well worth uh, reading it. And we thank Emil for being part of Ramble Meets. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ramble. Emil Heskey, former Leicester, Liverpool, Birmingham, Wigan. Who else? England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to remember all the clubs. This was a Stakhanov production. Emil Heskey, former England, Leicester, Liverpool, Wigan, Birmingham, Villa. I've got that in the wrong order. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Newcastle Jets and Bolton. No, let's Perfect. Do let's you do want to do it again? All right, cool. Let's do it again. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.